Welcome to the Grace of Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence to encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. You can learn more about us at gracedeugene.com. Here's the podcast. Hello, Grace City family. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Building. Casey Olson here with Pastor Chris Zahner. What's up, fam? And uh, it's exciting to be here. Uh, the uh, purpose of the Beyond the Building podcast is to have continued conversations about all things discipleship and missional living. Basically, what goes on once we leave our Sunday gatherings. We believe that church is meant to be so, so much more than just Sundays. And uh, that following Jesus is more than just showing up for a few worship songs on Sunday mornings. What? So, yeah, big surprise. <laughs> and uh, so the Beyond the Building podcast episode comes out third Friday of every month, I believe. Uh, and this is a space where we talk about those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, Pastor Chris, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be in part one of a part two conversation, Casey, as you already know, because we've talked about it. And we're going to be talking about something called parachurch organizations. And we believe this warrants enough of a discussion and there's enough kind of dynamic material surrounding this that we really wanted to um, not just skim the surface and give you kind of a, a brief um, dive into this, um, partially because both of us have had deep involvement in parachurch organizations over our life in serving Jesus. Um, but also there's just a lot of nuance and history and uh, some stuff that's helpful for us to understand as the church and as followers of Jesus about parachurch organizations. We don't claim to be the beholders of all knowledge about them. Amen. We are simply doing our best to help you as our family understand a little more of our heart, how and why we engage with these ministry organizations and um, why they are what they are. Yeah. And so like I said, this will be part one of that next month, which is February. We will have part two of that. We recognize that you know many of us watching this have heard about parachurch organizations, and you may have even like participated in, been served by one, volunteered with one. There may be one that uh, impacted your life. Um, but we want to step back and take a look at what a parachurch organization's role is in kingdom ministry, kingdom expansion, just the kingdom work, if you will. Um, and as we consider this, we want to explore also how we can partner with and engage with uh, some of these amazing organizations. Um, so like I said, it's going to be a two-part conversation today. We're going to introduce what a parachurch organization is, some of the benefits that come along with them. And then next month, we'll explore more how we partner with them as a church and as individuals. And uh, we'll find that in part two, there are also some important considerations for us to, to think about as the local church, as an expression of the church of Jesus Christ and what a healthy involvement and perspective of these parachurch um, ministries, organizations look like. And so, again, we're not going to tick every box as far as the things that could be talked about. Um, but because we have a heart for the mission of God and his kingdom to expand in our area, parachurch organizations are a huge part of that. And we want to make sure that our family has a healthy understanding of that. Yeah. So I want to start out with Casey just kind of giving us a little bit of definition of what a parachurch organization is and some of the history and, and origination of these organizations. So uh, hit us with that teaching, Case. Yes. 
Yeah, so uh, those who are listening to this, uh, you're probably not going to notice anything weird here. Those that are watching, I got a lot of notes here, so I'm going to be looking down for a minute, but it's because I, uh, I don't want to miss anything. Like yeah. you said, this is a nuanced conversation. Uh, so a parachurch organization uh, is a Christian faith-based organization that works outside of or across denominational lines to engage in discipleship, evangelism, and social welfare. When healthy, parachurch organizations come alongside the church and specialize in things that individual churches uh, might not be able to specialize in themselves. Most parachurch organizations are Protestant or evangelical, though there certainly are some parachurch organizations in the Catholic tradition or in other faith groups as well. Some parachurch organizations can perform a variety of roles, including evangelistic crusade associations, kind of fill uh, follow like the Billy Graham model, evangelistic or yeah. discipleship ministries, music and print publishers, radio and television stations, studios or online ministries, study centers or institutions like schools, colleges, universities, welfare and social services like homeless shelters, child care, domestic violence services, disaster relief programs, food pantries, and even more than that. so much more. (laughs) And then finally, and something that is a little bit more modern to us too, is um, like Bible study groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that there's even some folks in our church that are involved in some really cool Bible study organizations. Yeah. Uh, Parachurch organizations are relatively new. They've kind of been around for the most part, at least in the realm of what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some of these things like academic institutions and whatnot, you could trace back much beyond that. But in kind of the modern scope of what we would look at a parachurch organization, they've been around for about 100 years. Many of these organizations and ministries were birthed in the 1920s and 30s during what's called the fundamentalist versus uh, modernist controversy. This was a major schism that happened in the Presbyterian Church, where some liberal theological beliefs were beginning to come into a historically orthodox movement that challenged some of the core beliefs of the gospel. And when I say theologically liberal beliefs, I don't mean liberal in the political sense that we often think of today. Um, There's a big difference between liberal in the political sense and then in the theological sense. Uh, When we talk about someone who finds themselves in a more liberal theological camp, it just means that they challenge some of the core tenets or beliefs of the historically orthodox tradition of Christianity. Some examples of this uh, might be like the personhood of Jesus Christ. Was he really this God-man mix, or was he just a man that was supernaturally powered by God? Mm. Um, They might challenge the Uh, legitimacy of the physical resurrection of Jesus. They might have some challenges to talk about the Trinity or different things like that. So that's where the uh, modernist label in this fundamentalist versus modernist controversy comes in this. Liberal theologians who had some challenges uh, to some of the core beliefs and tenets of the Christian faith. Hmm. And so basically there was this great split in the Presbyterian church in the 1920s and 30s and Um, Honestly, at the time, the uh, modernists kind of won a lot of the uh, influence there. If you look back, a lot of the publishing houses, a lot of the main streams of Christianity at that time kind of fell into this uh, more liberal 
theology. Um, but then over time, we see that the fundamentalist beliefs, the more orthodox Christian beliefs would kind of uh, find themselves back in the majority by the 60s and 70s. And so basically, while this split was happening, some of the minority Christians left in this fundamentalist camp were uh, basically left to themselves in many of their churches, that they were disappointed in some of the theological realms that their churches were finding themselves in, that they started to reach across denominational lines to say, I want to work with some other Christians that I believe still are holding to orthodox core beliefs. And so we started to see these groups and organizations come out of uh, this time where people were willing to step out of their denomination, out of their faith tradition to say, hey, we're a lot closer to one another than maybe someone else that might even be in my own denomination. So how could we collaborate? How could we work together to come together to further the gospel message? And so that's where we see a lot of these groups kind of come out originally. But then over time, too, like uh, a lot of parachurch groups, their stories more include recognizing like a specific issue or a difficulty in a community that wasn't being met by a local church. And so some folks would create their own organization. Uh, at, most of the time when this happens, they didn't intend to create an organization. They just wanted to go out of their way to meet the need. And then over time, yeah. it was their model was replicated. And so they become an organization. But that's kind of the history yeah. of how we got to this, was through some weird theological schisms that resulted in folks wanting to work together, and then there being a lot of unique needs that people in communities yeah. wanted to reach. And it's just fascinating how some things that bring great blessing, right, and great gospel movement came out of divisiveness. Yeah. And, and we always see that, right, like the script, God will use all things. God, God will use that. And what probably in that time seemed like, oh my gosh, yeah, the church is gone. Like yeah. it's 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 destroyed what we know as like orthodoxy and, and all this. And that out of it, things that you know, for better or for worse, and obviously any organization, different regions, cities, leadership can change. You know how it is viewed and the effectiveness. But I mean, I was reached through a parachurch organization, right? So to see that even out of these times, which probably seemed like significant crisis, like so much cool stuff came out of it as, as God's people yep. persistent, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's really cool, man. Well, let's continue with that theme a little bit. Like you and I both have a little bit of history with parachurch organizations, yeah. as we mentioned earlier. Like what is a little bit of your story and connection? Yeah, my my life was significantly impacted in high school by a parachurch organization. And I grew up in a really small logging town. You know where I grew up, right? And um, there was no real church that had any significant impact with youth and with the schools in our area. I mean, I can remember back the the only reason that anyone in town knew one of the pastors was because he was just the loudest guy always yelling at the refs at games. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the guy from whatever church. If anyone from my hometown is listening to this, they're like, ah, I remember that guy. Um and that's not to say there weren't good churches, but sure. I was not aware of any sort of, you know, outreach or support in for youth. And what happened is there were some people that had this kind of burning desire or burden for the youth, and there wasn't any mechanism within the local churches. And some of them from different churches joined together mm -hmm. and started a Young Life chapter in our hometown. 
And through that is actually how I came to know who Jesus was mm-hmm. and have a personal relationship with him through Young Life because it just took a couple people that were like, this is a need. Yeah. It's not being met. And a parachurch organization offered a solution where people from all different churches, all different, you know, there's like five and like within a 20 mile radius, um, joined together yeah. and it unified them on mission. And it significantly impacted my life. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I was exposed to any sort of parachurch organization. I wouldn't even been able to tell you that. I was just like, yeah. oh, that's a youth group, right? Yeah. Like, um, that's just very much a, you know, leadership organizational term, yeah. parachurch organization. Um, and then over time, you know, I continued to work with, um, with Young Life as I moved into Corvallis. My first ministry role was with a a parachurch organization called Relevance, who bought the courtyard in Corvallis, which was a college um, co-ed Christian housing facility. So think like Christian fraternity and sorority in the same place, and thank God for the Christian part, so there wasn't purple, as far as we know, but like (laughs) managing that. And so that technically, even though the owners of it were affiliated with a local church, it was intentionally set up to be a parachurch organization so that it could be a blessing in the body in that town and people could go serve at whatever church they wanted. They were required to attend a local church, serve within a local church, but it wasn't just one specific church, which is really new for a, a like college housing. You know, they're usually paid for adopted by a local church. And so that was really cool. So literally my first like, Four years in ministry was all parachurch yeah. organization based. And then I got to work with a group called Church of the Valley up in Corvallis, which is like the version of One Hope that we talk about here, but for Benton County, which seeks to unify the local evangelical churches, meaning missionally, biblically based, right? Christian churches, and to collaborate on initiatives in the community. And um, so those are also kind of a, a realm of parachurch organizations that I've I've had interactions with. Now, being around the campus world, there's all kinds of yes. them, right? Um, and there's too many that I've interacted with that I have just a high regard for. To you know, maybe we'll talk more about them next week. But um, that's just a, a brief, you know, yeah. some of the ones that were significant for for me. Oh, that's what cool. about you, man? Yeah. Uh, Similarly, Young Life is where I got connected with um, my senior year of high school. Uh, but my story is a little different because I was already a Christian. I had attended church my whole life. I went to a Christian school. Um, I'd kind of been all about the Jesus thing. Um, but what was really cool for me and my experience with a parachurch ministry is it awoke something in me to care for the loss that I had not at that point in my life, whether it be just because of who I was and my age and immaturity and all these different kinds of things, or maybe it did have to do with some of the different circles and environments I had been in. I just never really been challenged to care a whole lot about those that didn't know Jesus, or at least I didn't feel very challenged. Um, You know, I'm sure there probably were plenty of people along the way that were saying that I should be. Um, And Young Life really awoke something in me to care about the lost in our city um, as I started interacting with these kids that like weren't in my youth groups, weren't at my Christian school classes, like I was like, man, these kids are very, very different than me. <laughs> and like they come from a really different world that I'm from. But at the same time, like there's so many similarities. Like, 
you know, uh, my parents are divorced. Like I've been through some of the things they've been through. Like, and, and all of a sudden it was kind of like, man, I've, I've got something I can offer to these, to these kids because I've been in their shoes, but like, I've got a different worldview. I've got a different hope. And so I actually became a young life leader my freshman year of college. Uh, they let me jump through some of the, uh, initial requirements and whatnot accelerated path. and I got to like lead high school like right away which was like probably a no-go um but so I was leading high school young life when I was a freshman in college did that for uh probably two two and a half years and absolutely loved it grew my heart for the lost cared deeply about connecting with these kids that like seriously I never thought about twice like yeah. um before and so um, it was really cool. I mean, I, I thought I was going to work with, with them. That was kind of like my dream, my goals that I go on staff and all these kinds of things. God had different plans and, um, you know, I ended up interning with Grace City Corvallis and ended up coming here and different things like that. But, um, man, they were, it was just a huge part of my life was awakening my, my heart to see like, man, there is some real brokenness that people yeah. in our town are going through and they don't get to walk into Bible class on Monday mornings with amazing teachers that love and care about you and want to share the gospel with you. Or, and um, all of a sudden it was kind of like, man, this is, this is going to be a cool uh, opportunity to get to teach more people about the gospel. Yeah. And um, I'm grateful for it personally. I mean, that yeah. was first place I ever got to like teach or preach or anything like that was at young life clubs with you know 150 high schoolers from town and different things yeah. and um it for me young life was a huge part of my story there for a bit and uh i'm i'm really grateful for it it was cool. it really awoke something in me that i had never experienced yeah. before no absolutely and then you know we obviously as a church have a significant partnership with youth for christ yep. lane county and not just relationally and, you know, friendship-wise, but we rent space from them. They are mm -hmm. gracious to us and our arrangement there, um, opening it up for various needs that we have as a church. You know, we have people that both volunteer, you know, and Jess is on staff, yeah. and we have people that volunteer at clubs, and um, it's a it's a really cool relationship. And it's a very similar thing to what we grew up with with, yep. with Young Life. But um, I love parachurch organizations. Yeah. Just like I love, well, I won't say just like, I also love the local church. Yeah. Um, and with either of them, and this is next week's conversation, there are just things to look for that are indicators of health. Yeah. Right? And so um, stay tuned for next one for a little more conversation on that. Yes. But um, yeah, stories in the church yep. or in the, in the parachurch organizations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk just some of the, you know, as we wrap up, what are some of the benefits yeah. you know, of parachurch organizations as we healthy parachurch organizations yeah. and again when we say healthy parachurch organizations i don't believe we can label any individual organization as binary healthy or unhealthy yeah. every city expressions look different just like they do in That's local so churches true. denominationally seasons of crisis and leadership and global challenges like we're seeing now yep. can create hard times that do not like change the identity or the capacity or effectiveness. Yep. It just means, man, this is a hard season. And just like I can have those in my personal life, yeah. in my professional life. Uh, so as we talk about this or say marks of a healthier benefits of parachurch organizations, that's just very broad, ambiguous. We don't seek to label yeah. any group as as not yeah. um it's too dangerous to like it, it like is you said, it's so nuanced <laughs> it's so different i've heard 
you know, people paint broad brushes over an entire organization. And I'm like, well, that might have been true for that yeah. one club in that one city that this, none of that staff works there even anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't apply for that experience in a different city or yeah. for that expression somewhere else. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I will go to war for every nation family and any of our churches. I, I pray that doesn't happen. But I, I would because that's family. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I could go into any every nation church anywhere in the world and be like, that's absolutely a fit. There's, yep. I'm from Oregon. Other people aren't. There's cultural and social different dynamics. And so that doesn't mean that that's not yep. a, a place, right? And so we also have to recognize our own bias and our own preferences and yep. how that influences things. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But what are some general benefits that um, that make this a topic worth exploring for us? Yeah, I, I think one point that I I picked out in this was that it broadens the impact of the local church. Yeah. Um, it you know many hands make light work, and it creates specialized opportunities for uh, more people to either be volunteering or to be employed in their full-time role, like like my wife, um, to be out and about day after day focusing on whatever mission or vision it is that they've been called to with their ministry. It just creates more opportunities for more people to be out and about doing the Lord's work, helping extend God's kingdom throughout our city. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think also... There's just access that parachurch organizations can get that in the world we find ourselves in, people are unwilling to give access to churches. It's true. If I go to a school and I say, hey, I'm a pastor at a local church and I want to come serve your kids, they're going to be like, oh, church. Right. But if I say, hey, I'm from Campus Life, I'm from Young Life, I'm like, and I want to come serve, like, oh, that sounds like a youth specialized thing that could bring encouragement and yep. positivity to our campus, they're, they're going to give you access. Yep. And that can happen in parachurch organizations in the corporate world, right? In the professional settings where they just are able to get access that because of misconceptions or bad or even, you know, maybe just kind of ambiguous impressions of the church, certain places may not give access. And in that access, they're able to bring a unifying force yes. of the church into areas that otherwise a, a church like Grace City wouldn't be able to to you know serve and, and yep. get into so i think that's a cool thing about them as well absolutely and i think too like another facet in it is that it offers uh, some really specialized cool ministries that like especially you think about in the context of our church mm-hmm. things that we don't have the manpower for that we don't have the financial resources for different things like that that we can occasionally come alongside and say, hey, how can we help support this? How can we help empower this? Like, it's just a way for us to say, to humbly look at our city and say, we are not big enough, great enough uh, to go meet every need of our city. And yeah. so it allows for some really specialized opportunities for for people groups to be cared for. Yeah. I think one of the things we'll talk about next week is how some of the, and we, you even mentioned it, some of these things are birthed out of, the inability or unwillingness of local churches to maybe meet some needs. But I think part of it, too, is maybe a church recognizes a specialized need that they cannot do as well as if they created a parachurch specialized organization, right, that is all about construction and rebuilding homes after, like, um, you know, natural disasters. Like, that can be started by a church, but a church has to recognize it's 
the limiting factors of being yeah. in their primary mission, but they can start this organization that goes and mobilizes and have, can employ builders and get grants and access yeah. to things that the church wouldn't be able to because they are specialized. So it does, it, pr- pr- it provides a specialized, diverse ability that the church can be mobilized Absolutely. through. And I think that's a really cool aspect of these organizations. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in that point of what you're saying, like, you know, sometimes these groups uh, establish because of a need that the local church is not meeting is that I, I think a real benefit to that is that it calls us to action. Absolutely. I mean, it. I, I think about my story with Young Life. Like I had been a Christian my whole life in all of these circles and environments that you would have thought I'd have it instilled, ingrained into who I was that like I was supposed to be out caring about, about the lost and making more disciples. But it took this parachurch organization for me to like realize, wow, I don't, I don't think anything I've ever been a part of has really pushed me like that yeah. to go be a part yeah. of it. Absolutely. And praise the Lord, I'm, I'm really grateful for the Grace City family and, and Corvallis and then here that really cares about a missional life, that cares about the lost, um, because I've I found that in my local church. But it was something that, that I hadn't experienced, that I hadn't really felt mm-hmm. a deep conviction about. But then when I saw someone who was doing what I felt like the church should have been doing, it was like, Okay, I gotta, I gotta be more about that, and I gotta find who are the people that really care about this and that are prioritizing this yeah. as the church. Oh, that's great, and I think for for the sake of today, one of the final like benefits, especially of a healthy parachurch organization, is that they point people to the local church. Yeah, they bridge gaps and they point to like the body of Christ. They don't try to be a um, you know, and instead of like an yeah. alternative yep. to it. And um, one of the things that I love about Youth for Christ, like their goal is to point kids to the church and bridge that gap. And yep. I know there's a ton of other organizations. That's just, you know, shameless plug. Um, yep. But yeah, that's, I think, another benefit. And I think we could never do an exhaustive list no. of the benefits of these never. organizations because we don't know about all of them. Yeah. Um, but I think this... Hopefully, this gives you a good starting point as you, you know, ponder oh, what, are, what are these organizations, and maybe think about what ones have I been engaged in. What what has God given me a heart for? That like my local church or expression may not have the capacity to specifically engage in. That I need to seek something out, and yep. that will kind of prime the pump for our conversation next time with part two as we dive deeper into this. Um, but I pray in the meantime. Um, do a little research, yeah. ponder, you know, what, what is maybe, how has my life been impacted by these organizations? How can I pray for them and see what God might put on your heart as we approach our conversation next yeah. month? So as always, you can like this, you can share it. If there's something in it that was encouraging to you, subscribe to be able to get, you know, notifications when we put out these videos. Our hope is that this will encourage you as a follower of Jesus, or maybe as someone who's just trying to figure out what it looks like to love and follow Jesus. And that this will help us be a better example or expression of a community of Christ, uh, wherever it is that God has planted you. And so we thank you for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next time and appreciate you spending this time with us.